Support for Industry Focus comes from Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, work with one that has your best interests in mind. Use Rocket Mortgage for a transparent, trustworthy home loan process that's completely online at quickenloans.com fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is May 10th, and I'm your healthcare show host, Christine Hargis. I'm here at Fool HQ just outside of Washington, D.C., and I have Motley Fool healthcare contributor Todd Campbell calling in from New Hampshire. Todd, welcome. What is the most interesting thing you've written since the last time we talked? <laughs> I don't know what the most interesting thing I've written is. I and mean, I like to think all of what I write is is interesting and all of what you can find on the Molly Pool is fascinating. But I think that today's show is going to be absolutely interesting. Yeah, I hope so. So we have talked on this show before about the intersection of technology and healthcare. One show that comes to mind in particular was when I had Motley Fool analyst Simon Erickson come on while he was at South by Southwest, which is a tech conference. But with each passing year, it seems like there's more and more interest in healthcare from the tech world. And so today we want to dive into one particular area where tech companies are working in the healthcare space, and that is diabetes. Yeah, this this is going to be a very interesting show because we're going to be talking about, you know, basically the future or what the future could look like in treating disease like diabetes using wearables, things that we have on our wrists every day already. Exactly. And this is an enormous opportunity, which is why the tech world is so interested in it. I mean, if you look at America, one third of people in the United States are obese and 9.3 of them have diabetes already. And this is a problem that's only getting bigger. Yeah, it's well, no pun intended, right? Yeah, no, actually, that was no pun intended at all. Yeah. 1.9 billion uh, adults over 18 are overweight, 600 million adults obese, 13% of the adult population obese, and the prevalence of obesity has more than doubled since 1980, or between 80 and, and 2014. Clearly, um, you know, th- there's a need for uh, things that help us get moving and help us monitor how good of a job we're doing in getting the exercise that we need every day to prevent diseases. I mean, that's really why we're talking about it on a healthcare show. We're not talking about companies like Fitbit um, because we're, we're interested necessarily from, a, from um, you know, just the technology standpoint. We're also interested in you know, how these devices can be used to, to change clinical outcomes. And diabetes and obesity, there is a link. Right. So the way that I see it, there's two different sides to this story. You have the uh, the obesity side, where if you can get yourself living a more healthy lifestyle, you lower your risk of diabetes or you can better manage your disease. And then there's also the blood sugar level monitoring, which if you already have diabetes is absolutely key. And so you see a lot of partnerships and a lot of work being done between healthcare companies and tech companies that are trying to combine data from both of those different sides of this puzzle to see what is the relationship between activity levels and glucose levels and management of the disease? What's interesting is that the sensors that we're developing now, we have a much better understanding of of how the body works, right? And the body is such an amazing, incredibly sophisticated system. And we can actually, you know, determine um, how our bodies are are doing uh, as far as their normal processes by evaluating things like, of course, um, blood sugar in the blood, 
or evaluating, you know, changes in what we excrete through our sweat. I mean, sensors are becoming more and more sensitive and they're being able to be, uh, as a result, used in, in increasingly more helpful ways. Um, but, but taking that even one step further, these sensors are now getting to a point where they're, going to, they're getting smaller, less intrusive, more easily used by patients. You know, it's, we're not talking about this big bulky thing that we have to lug around with us anymore. Right. And that's important, not just because it makes patients' lives easier, but because in theory, that could boost compliance. Yeah, and compliance has been, you know, let's admit it, it's a, it's, a, it's a big deal. I mean, even if you look at, let's just look at Fitbit, right? I mean, Fitbit has been around for, for 10 years and they've sold 63 million devices, right? One point, I mean, there's, there's so many of these devices around and, and maybe many of our listeners are, are wearing them right now. But what's intriguing to me is as I was researching for this, for today's show, is that, you know, only one in 10 are wearing them on a daily basis, yeah, I believe that. I think Fitbit in general is struggling with not so much initial adoption, but actually sticking with their product. But if they want to really dive into being able to integrate their wearables tracker with uh, something like a continuous glucose monitor, which is something that they're working on with Medtronic, they need patients to be compliant and wear them all the time, and you know, not not cheat, you know, not like. For example, so I've I've been in walking step competitions back when I used to wear a Fitbit regularly, and you could just tell the people who were just sitting there shaking it up and down all day long and counting that as steps. And you know that's fine if you're doing something like a step competition with your friends. Well, not fine. It's not great, but it's it doesn't have the consequences that it would if somebody is using it in a medical way. And that's not to say that people are trying to cheat their medical data, but even something as simple as brushing your teeth, it'll sometimes log that as steps. And that's problematic when your doctor is looking at that data. Yeah, I was reading one study, Christine, where a, um, a care provider, a hospital system, provided a bunch of uh, older patients, I think they, they, were, they were in their 80s, with devices that could be used to kind of measure their, you know, how much activity they were doing and, and their heart rate and all of this stuff. And frankly, most of them forgot that they were even wearing them within a few days of wearing them and then stopped you know, they forgot to put them on. I mean, we have we have to obviously uh, be able to de- develop systems that are are sensitive and can can give us new insights into, for example, blood sugar levels, so that people can stay within their desired range um, more frequently throughout the course of the day. But we also have to make it so it becomes something like your watch, where you're actually looking at it every once in a while. But again, you know, I mean. I suppose watches aren't being worn as much as, as they used to be anyways, because now we have smartphones. So, I mean, how often are you checking? It's going to be like a text message, right? You're going to have to pick up the phone and actually look at your text and, and say, oh, you know, I moved this many feet and, and my heart rate is this. And, and then what do I do with that information, right? I mean, so I think that that's part of what Medtronic is, is trying to accomplish um, in its push here is to, to, to take all the information that it has from being a huge player in medical devices that, you know, especially in diabetes, be able to marry that with the, the uh, information that's being collected by the user who's wearing the device and then be able to take that one step further and actually provide actionable insight that either the caregiver, be it the primary physician or the patient can, can use to actually, you know, improve their lifestyle or, 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 or something. 
Yeah, you are absolutely correct. Medtronic right now is staring down a mountain of data and looking at it and saying, okay, we have so much information. How do we derive useful conclusions out of it? They have a partnership with IBM that was announced in April 2015 that will leverage the artificial intelligence powers of Watson, which is the supercomputer that uh, won Jeopardy. And so with Watson, they're going to analyze all these uh, electronic medical record data, I think it's 10,000 different EMRs, and they're going to use this population information to develop a, a real-time personalized care. And Todd, as you were saying, it's going to need to come from an app or your phone or something telling you, hey, you're showing abnormal patterns or we've noticed this. And that's exactly what they're trying to develop. They create something called Sugar IQ, which is a personalized assistance that can detect patterns of behavior and it can predict diabetic events hours before they happen, which is really pretty incredible. And it seems to me like they're only getting started with this. And you know what's interesting, too, is that Massachusetts General Hospital did something where they gave pedometers to um, patients, and they linked that up with a a text messaging system that would, you know, basically say, here's how you're doing, here's some tips. They actually looked at the weather, They all sorts of things that they kind of put together to try and figure out the best way to make it relevant to the patients. Sure enough, the patients who were receiving these daily tips, they did better overall in achieving whatever their goal was for their blood sugar levels. So I think that Yes, we have all of this information out there. We have all of this data out there. And companies are basically so we've got we've got from the healthcare side of things, we've got companies like Medtronic that have, you know, tons of experience in creating medical devices. Then we've got the consumer electronics companies that have tons of 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 experience in generating devices that people want to use. And then we've got healthcare providers who are trying to figure out, okay, how can we take all of this, marry it together, and and make this into something that can actually reduce reduce these rates of, of obesity to 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 keep people who are pre-diabetic, I mean, there's 80 million plus Americans who are pre-diabetic, he keep those from becoming full-blown cases of diabetes, and ultimately, you know, make it so that that cardiovascular disease is no longer the number one killer worldwide. Yeah, this is a multifaceted problem, which is why it's so interesting to see different types of companies coming at it from all of their angles of expertise. We have more partnerships to dive into when we return. Support from Industry Focus comes from Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust and who has your best interests in mind. With Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial information to get a mortgage approval in minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. Whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank, skip the waiting, and go completely online at quickenloans.com fool. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Thanks again so much to Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans for supporting our podcast. All right, let's turn to a company that I don't think we've mentioned yet on this show, but is working in this space, and that is Apple. You know, Apple is obviously uh, on the cutting edge when it comes to developing uh, easy-to-use um, consumer electronics that people that resonate with people, right? I mean, that's the whole thing. It's the whole experience. So when we we're talking before the break and being able to figure out, well, how do you, you know, we want to marry 
um, healthcare outcomes with technology, with the information that we've collected. How do we do that in a way that that really resonates with consumers? And one of the ways that Apple's trying to do that is through its Apple Watch. Right, and, and the Apple Watch, it's a really interesting product, but right now it's kind of a luxury product. And I think if they're able to find a way to make it a must-have for diabetics, that's going to be a game-changer for this product. You know, you've got apps, right, that tie into both your Apple phone, your watch. Some of those are healthcare-related. We've got access to things like um, heart rate uh, through these devices um, to be able to track those things. But wouldn't it be great, Christine, if you could actually have, be wearing your Apple Watch and, and at the same time that you're wearing it, it's measuring your blood glucose level? Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the big step changes with this project, which, by the way, Apple is working on this, you know, despite Apple being kind of shrouded in secrecy about what's next sometimes, a very credible journalist from CNBC reports that they are working in this area. And so the step change that I see in this project is that they're looking at a non-invasive continuous glucose monitor sensor, which when you talk about reading your glucose levels, it always involves some sort of uh, prick to the finger or something that is invasive to the body. And so what they're trying to do is figure out how the Apple Watch could incorporate an optical sensor to read glucose levels just by shining light through the skin and then integrating that with the data that you have on your Apple Watch. Which is pretty amazing. I mean, I guess the question would be is will how will you will that be shining continuously? and measuring it continuously, or will that only be shining at specific intervals, and how often will the intervals be? And that's going to create all sorts of design problems, because you're going to have to figure out, okay, well, how do we make the battery life last exactly. long enough to be able to do that, potentially? Yeah. What happens I mean, when you're we, charging? Yeah, I mean, if we go back in time for a second, I mean, the, we've already made huge advances in doing this, um, you know, as far as, you know, you've got companies like Medtronic that now have quote-unquote an artificial pancreas where you've got continuous glucose monitoring occurring from a, from a, a small sensor that, that is inserted underneath the skin that you wear and, and a pump that's delivering blood glucose on demand as, as it needs to. Um, and, and you've got other com companies like Dexcom that are out there that are, are making huge advances in sensor technology uh, that are providing real-time, continuous, truly continuous uh, readings that people are able to use to to chart up and down their um, their blood glucose levels to to help them better figure out when they might be crashing may need insulin may not need insulin whatever um, so so Apple is going to have you know the, I think that it, you're right that it's it's a it's a it's a fascinating concept to be able to just use light and be able to evaluate blood glucose. Um, but it's not as simple as just saying, yeah, we're going to do this, right? And I suppose that's why they haven't rolled it out yet and why they're being so secretive. You know, they, supposedly they're, they're in, um, in, in kind of like the, the initial test phases of this to try and see whether or not this makes sense. They went out a couple of years ago and they bought um, a company that was working on sensors for healthcare to try and give them a little bit more experience um, in that area. And it's hard for me to imagine, honestly, Christine, that we get you know, 10, 20 years from now, and wearables aren't, it's almost going to be like we're having our doctor with us 
uh, on demand, right? Because we're going to have so much information, so much uh, uh, data that we're going to be able to collect just from you know the clothes they're wearing. I mean, you can buy compression short shirts and sleeves now that do a lot of these evaluations too. I mean, they're looking at, at various different uh, disease indications, being able to measure um, uh, levels of certain proteins in in, in your in your sweat to be able to, to see how your kidneys are performing, all sorts of interesting things that, that theoretically we could discover and be able to track over the course of the next 10, 20 years. And I think what Apple's saying is we want to make sure that we don't get left behind in that movement. Exactly. Here's another crazy one. Novartis is working with Alphabet's Google's Verily, which was formerly Google Life Sciences, on a smart contact lens that you put in your eye, like a normal contact, and it measures blood sugar levels from your tears. And so, what they're hoping to do is have it change color if the levels aren't within normal range. Like that is just <laughs> that's straight sci-fi right there. That is crazy. That is fascinating. I mean, you know, and then of course you've got Verily, which again, this is part of Alphabet slash Google, however you want to refer to them. Um, Verily is is working on a program with Dexcom to create sensors that just peel off like little band-aids. I right. mean, it, it, obviously this is going to become a much, like you said, less invasive way of, of being able to track the disease and provide more information. And then hopefully that information uh, can be used by the patient to, you know, at least delay disease progression so that, so that you know, that they're not ending up um, with, you know, cardiac risks, risk of death later on in life. Right. This is another example of a tech specialist, Google, working with a device, a healthcare company specialist. So that's Dexcom. Dexcom, in case you're not familiar with them, they are a continuous glucose monitor CGM specialist. And so Dexcom has all these awesome uh, CGMs that they've already developed, and now they see this tremendous advantage in being able to harness Google's analytics capabilities to make this better. Um, and they're they're working with Verily on developing a CGM that's no bigger than a Band-Aid. And there would still be some insertion because their system is based on a wire, but they're looking at ways other than a needle to insert it, which would not just be a better experience, but hopefully take the cost down. You know, it's fascinating to me about Google. I mean, the, Google is kind of like on, is always on the cutting edge, right? In, in in the way that they're doing research and discovering uh, new ways and new approaches. They're not just a search engine. And you know, a few years ago, they came out with Google Glass. And I don't, you know, I, I don't know if our listeners remember Google Glass, or maybe some of them still have them kicking around. But it's actually like a heads-up display that you attach to that you know is attached to your glasses that allows you to access the internet, access information, um, and communicate with, uh, say, your, your, your computer or your PC. And there are companies out there today that are still using Google Glass to improve um, healthcare. So for example, there's a small company out in California called Augmentix. And Augmentix uh, works with uh, physicians, where physicians will walk into a, a primary care appointment wearing Google Glass. They'll be able to, um, through a, a scribe back at Augmentix HQ, be able to, um, to communicate and spend more time with the patient, not spend less time on the paperwork. So basically, the scribe is writing down what's occurring or taking care of the, the EHR or the electronic medical record component of a physician's job uh, via this, this the use of Google Glass. I mean, there's all sorts of ways that we don't even we're not even contemplating that wearables, uh, be it from Google or Fitbit or or Apple or even Amazon, right? could impact 
and change uh, healthcare over the course of the coming decades. Right, and it does feel incredibly nascent right now. Um, one company that I want to mention, just because you just reminded me that we haven't mentioned them yet, is Amazon. So they right now have this diabetes challenge, which is uh, specifically the the name of the Echo Woman, the voice. Um, I've been told by our listeners that we shouldn't say that during the podcast because saying her voice will trigger her and it'll stop what you're doing and like wait for a new command. So. Hopefully, you know the the girl's name that I'm talking about, but the the Echo woman. So anyway, uh, Amazon is partnered with Merck, and they have challenged developers to create an Echo-powered solution to help type 2 diabetics. And so they are, in July of this year, going to announce the five finalists and then throw them into this uh, virtual accelerator to try to develop the best thing that they can. And the winner will end up with $125,000, and that'll be announced in September. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what they come up with. Um, Todd? Yeah, I mean, innovation, the innovation that's that's going on for the, in these contests, who knows how, we won't use it, Echo, how, how Echo and, and some of these other um, consumer devices that we wouldn't think of as healthcare devices are going to reshape. But the things that we, we have to remember, remind all of our listeners, because you know, obviously we're coming across as pretty excited about the the future of this space, right, Christine? Is that they, there are some concerns, right? We've got the accuracy of the data. There are some concerns that some of the some of these devices, the information that they're collecting, are isn't you know healthcare quality accurate. Um, we've got security and privacy concerns, the sharing of information, who gets to see it, who doesn't get to see it. And then we, of course, as we touched on previously, we've got that whole patient adherence uh, component of it is, you know, are they going to wear the, are they going to have that wearable on them all the time or enough of the time to be able to, to come to good conclusions? Yes. And even patient willingness, particularly as it concerns their security and their privacy. I mean, there's a whole nother level of attachment to your healthcare information that you don't have to say how many steps you took in a day. And, you know, you might be willing to share that across your friend network on the Fitbit app, but do you really want to share it as it pertains to your medical status? And right. So, you know, Right, then, Christine. Forget about pre-existing conditions. Right, we're talking about previous to existing conditions. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it'll be interesting. It definitely is a very early stage market. Looking at this from an investing standpoint, it seems to me like all these tech companies that we've talked about, most of them are great stocks. But I wouldn't necessarily invest my money in them because of their healthcare initiatives, just because it's they're too small at this point. I mean, they could be huge opportunities downstream, but I think it's going to be a long time before, say, Apple's healthcare initiatives end up being a meaningful contributor to the business. We don't know who the winners or losers will be. It's just way too early, as you said. We know who so far the market share leaders are in, in some of these wearables, you know, Fitbit um, and Apple being number one and number three. Yeah, there's uh, actually a pretty share. big uh, Chinese company that's in the mix, too. Yeah, number two. And, you know, funny thing is, I mean, this shows you, you know, up in New Hampshire, I don't get out very often. I had never even heard of the company prior to doing the actually, research on it. I this. hadn't either, but I think that's just because they don't really have a, a big lodging in the U.S., but they're huge in Asia. And they're actually, yeah, they're, they're really cheap Chinese devices. a company called Xiaomi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to keep an eye on. Um, Todd, any final thoughts before I close out? No, I mean, I think that from, like you said, I mean, we're an investing show, and I think the investing takeaway is stay tuned. 
Yeah, I don't think you can go out and buy any of these stocks based on what we just discussed today, but I think it's definitely worth tracking how this industry is progressing, paying attention to the news flow on it, because at some point, this is going to become very big business for somebody. Yeah, and it is really interesting to me to see how these different sectors overlap. I mean, even just in a, a portfolio allocation sense, you know, if I have my money in, say, Alphabet, and all of a sudden healthcare becomes half of their business, does that change how I think about that investment? I don't know. It remains to be seen. But um, like I said, we are just in the early stages, so stay tuned. And that'll just about do it for today's show. If anyone has comments or questions for the team, we love hearing from our listeners. You can reach us at industryfocus at fool.com, also in the Motley Fool Podcast Facebook group or on Twitter at MF Industry Focus. As always, people on the program may have interests in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. For Todd Campbell, I'm Christine Hargis. Thanks a bunch to our producer, Austin Morgan, who proved himself today to be a champion knockerballer, and it was awesome. So congrats, Austin, and fool on, everyone. Everyone.